I just interviewed Mark, who you're on tour with. Uh-huh. Um, must be an interesting guy <laughs> to ride around with in a van. He's great. He's he's super fun. He's very, like, positive and yep. uh, hilarious. Yeah, no, he's he's great. We did a... In 2011, when Big Questions came out, he, yeah. he did a few dates with me. Uh, I guess that was Pure Pajamas had just come out. Um... Yeah, and it was great. And I knew that we had books coming out this year at the same time, more or less. So uh, tours are always more fun with more than more yeah. than just yourself. How, how many uh, how many comic cons have you been to? I think this makes four, okay. if I remember right. Do you um, do you do you enjoy them? <laughs> it's a loaded question. Uh, <laughs> it's it's sort of like yeah, yeah. I definitely would not come if I didn't yeah. have a book out. Um, the first two that I came were before I had a publisher, I think. So yeah. like 20, 2002 or 2003 So you were in the like Lally area? No. Um, like Sammy Harkham oh, okay. and Jordan Crane yeah. and Ron Regi yeah. and like Souther Salazar, like a whole bunch of us basically. I think there were 11 people that first year. We just all got a table together and like stacked our shit on the table. and Yeah. Uh, and it was super fun and like as a self-publisher like you are you are this little odd oasis in yeah. the sort of commercial yeah. insanity so you do pretty well like we would walk away with a really good chunk of money um, so that made it really fun um, it is very overwhelming <laughs> like, well you, you guys just is, you guys just kind of rolled of into town and are you know you got into town what like halfway through yesterday yeah, yeah. Friday, and you're. When, yeah. How long are you here for? We leave Sunday afternoon. Yeah, so that that that's that's probably a, a good amount of time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I do very little walking around. Like, I just walk to the drawn and quarterly table, yeah. sign my books, and pretty much leave. Um, I mean, it's a spectacle. There's cool stuff and weird yeah. stuff to see, but it's just overwhelming for me. It's just it's exhausting just walking through. You know. What so. You know, I guess what you have in that sort of artist alley area, when you like are a really small publisher, is the um, just sort of the, the discovery. I mean, there are people who are just sort of looking around, walking around looking for 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 weird things. When when you're, I mean, now that you're at D and Q, what 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 sort of people come by? I mean, is it people that are generally familiar with your stuff already? Is it people who in Wonder Woman costumes who stumble onto something? There's very little of that. It does yeah. seem like people who are kind of familiar. It seems like people who who seek out the drawn and quarterly table every year. Yeah. Um, some of the insanity rolling by. Yeah. Um, I think that's just normal San Diego. Yeah, yeah, actually, that's probably true. <laughs> um, I think there are definitely there are definitely people that have, you know, read somewhere or seen yeah. somewhere that my book is out and, and are on the lookout for it um, I think people sort of also know that at a show like San Diego probably an artist that they like or they collect might have some stuff at the show that yeah. is not available elsewhere or whatever which I do so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of curious because I, I talked to, to, to Mark about this a, a little bit um, you know the idea of sort of selling yourself you know, just at, you know especially at a show like this I mean you know it sounds like you're lucky, luckier, or I guess in some ways maybe unlucky in that you know you are sort of like preaching to the choir in some ways. But um, you know when you have that 
conversation with somebody who picks something up and just thinks it's sort of a weird you know just a weird a weird piece of art in that it's not like you know one of these one of these bigger you know superhero books um how do you like what do you have a pitch do you have like, do you have like what they call an elevator pitch in technology um i mean it doesn't it's not a pitch i would give in an elevator sure because <laughs> yeah because the book has to be there but like yeah i mean if i'm sitting behind the table and somebody yeah. uh is sort of browsing if they you know if they pick it up then i'll sort of describe yeah what it is but i'm not yeah i don't I'm not like you know roping people in. Sure. Like I'm not. I'm not a hall a, a carnival barker. Because I, I just you know I um I got the new book, but like the other night I haven't really had a chance to to read it much, and I was, I was slipping through. How 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 would you characterize? It's it's a collection of sketches. It's uh I mean it is what technically speaking it is a collection a sketchbook collection, yeah. but there's a way in which that's a little uh, misleading yeah. because. When you think of an artist's sketchbook collection, you think of their sort of um, candid moments or something. Mm-hmm. It's like the idea is they're doing experiments that are not intended for yeah. viewing. Well, but most of that work. <laughs> I mean, yeah, right. Like, you know, is that really? If you're true? if you're Chris not? Ware, you know that somebody's going to read this at some point, probably. Right, right. Yeah. But I think there is a conceit that sure. like yeah, that yeah, it's yeah. sort of unplanned and it's yeah. sort of like off yeah. the cuff in in some more raw that you're, way you're, you're brainstorming yeah, yeah yeah and i very much had i mean i was putting all that stuff on the internet so like um mm. i was very much thinking about the audience and and the a lot of the pieces are sort of directly addressing the the reader yeah um so so i sort of don't think of it as a sketchbook collection in a way um like it's not it's like it's not authentic it's sort of i'm sort of interested in being inauthentic <laughs> with this book <laughs> you're being honest about it though at the at the at the very least yeah you're, yeah mostly. you're 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 being honest about your inauthenticity <laughs> um, yes i i my my analogy maybe is like restaurants that advertise that their food is authentic like uh-huh. you know authentic mexican food it's like, like i don't a, really care if it's authentic yeah. i want it to be delicious yeah and, and nobody who you know the places that call themselves authentic are like the Olive Garden. Yeah, you know yeah, the right, people who right. actually use authentic. Like that's in a word names. that gets thrown around in like a tourist trap. You know. Yeah is is that is that the the restaurants that actually are authentic? Either the owners don't necessarily speak English well enough to <laughs> to use the word, or they or they just don't they just don't need to use the word. You know, like right. the taco truck over here is is right, right. Is, is authentic. Um, it, it again, I didn't get this far into it, but. Uh, you know, it. John Corey was kind of catching it as, as a, like a, a travelogue in a way, and it seemed to right. And there, I mean, there's a super, there's a wide variety of stuff. Yeah. So, so yeah, there are there is a bunch of travelogues. I mean, I do, I probably do more work in my sketchbook when I'm traveling because you have all this dead time. You know, yeah. you're waiting in an airport, or you're sitting on an airplane, or like, you know, you're in a hotel and don't really have anything to do. Um, and making, you know, making comics for me is very much about sort of entertaining myself yeah. and uh, playing, yeah. playing in a sandbox all by myself or whatever. Yeah. Um, and that's when the sketchbook, that's when I get, you know, that's when I have time to do little off-the-cuff things that I don't, that don't have some big, you know, there's not some big plot that's going to take okay. me 600 pages. Yeah. It's like I'm just, I just open it up and like whatever idea comes to me, I try to make it as interesting as possible. It, 
are there are there are there stories are there you know I mean is it again when I when I think of a sketchbook or at least a traditional sketchbook it's 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 sketches right it's just it's just one off things on on one right, page the idea, I think a lot of times it's sort of like practice drawing yeah you know? exactly. it's like people artists I think Chris Ware even talks about this like in the morning he tries to draw for half an hour yeah. just to sort of like warm his hand up or yeah. whatever um, so that's not like yeah. that's not what I'm doing but but are there are, are there little stories are there narratives are there things that hold together in it like through lines in yeah. the whole book or whatever yeah um, or at least you know there are, I mean there are themes it's like my you know I'm a I think any any artist has themes that sort of yeah you know pop up in their work and the themes in my work generally are the themes that show up in that book the- themes sure. but not not narratives necessarily mostly not narratives okay. I mean there is a there is a sort of through line about poetry that runs through it a little bit hmm. um and then the travel maybe sort of adds up to yeah. to a bit of a theme. But it's kind of all over the place. Um, and that disjunctiveness or whatever, disjuncture, yeah. moving from subject to subject, this, yeah. Is, yeah, is sort of part of what interests me about that kind of work. Is like, yeah. uh, it does jump all over the place. And you do get these, you know, these drawings that are connected to text that sort of doesn't have anything to do with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and my, you know, the idea is sort of like the reader is going to come up with connections. Like that's what yeah. our brains do. You know, they connect, they connect things and try to make meaning out of things. So like you put it, put two unrelated images together and people automatically will start to like generate content. That's interesting though, because you, you know, you could do that through the method of just having it be a genuine sketchbook. You know, you could just do it by, you know, like, and th- again, this is how a lot of sketchbooks work is I'm just going to fill this page with different ideas and then move on. So you, you, you could, you could do that organically, but you chose not to. <laughs> uh, is it organic? I mean, well, it's, you know, organic in the sense that like, if you were just doing a traditional sketchbook, you would have two things that aren't related next to each other. Right. But right. You're, you're right. putting. And it, I mean, in that sense, like. That, that's the way that it is like a sketchbook yeah. you know it is like like I'm just trying to make the page interesting yeah um and I guess I have a certain like uh what I don't want to waste space yeah yeah <laughs> so okay. if there's an empty space I'm likely to fill it up with something what unrelated or related or whatever I, I guess I guess the question then is you know beyond the fact that you knew that this was for public consumption um if it is just in a way a random collection of of images how is it how is it not a sketchbook um i mean i think of it as not a sketchbook like i said because it has an audience in mind like specific and specifically has an audience in mind and actually is like they are finished strips that are addressing that are addressing the reader like in that way it it feels to me like a little like stand-up or something yeah it, it, it it's more it, it's less of the of the content and just more of the idea that you're actually talking at the person who's who's reading it in right and i'm and i'm thinking about the design of the page yeah. in a way it's okay. like yeah um you know i've had i've kept sketchbooks in the past where i they are more about working out ideas for other projects or about practicing drawing um, and in those cases, like, I'm not, like, I wasn't, I wasn't composing pages and I wasn't sort of crafting narratives. Yeah. Um, 
it was much more just like whatever happened to go down went down and then I would move on do you do you not keep a, a more traditional sketchbook I mean I always have a couple of notebooks that have this and that you know so like I'll do I'll do some thumbnailing for for larger comics pro- projects yeah. in a in a notebook um, you know I have notebooks for like I'm helping organize Autoptic right now so at Autoptic meetings I have a separate notebook but then that get you know at yeah. the meeting I'm doodling so it has drawings in it I'm just I'm wondering I'm wondering how it you know how it affects you because every you know or the vast majority of cartoonists I, I know have have that that outlook that outlet and, and the idea that um, that you have this but it's 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 that methodical I mean does you know how does that how does that end up impacting your work um, how does it impact my work? I don't know. I mean, there is a thing like it. I think that's why it feel it feels sort of artificial. Yeah, because it feels like you're supposed to be like an artist is supposed to be this like pure being of creativity yeah. who like is unconcerned with you know how the world is going to receive yeah. their heartfelt ideas. Yeah. Um, which I think is an you know that's sort of a naive sure. idea that sure. you have as a young artist. <clears throat> and I think now, having been doing this for a long time, I just feel like that's just kind of bullshit. I'm always, like, you're always sort of thinking, even when you're, like, 15 years old drawing in your sketchbook, you're sort of secretly hoping that someday somebody's going to look at yeah. it. So I sort of, I guess my feeling is, like, I'm just trying to embrace that. Yeah. You know, it's like, that's how it is. Like, sure. I am, I am aware of an audience. Yeah. I am trying to like do nice work. So, 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 I mean, in theory you could say, well, I don't have the, I don't have the, the really candid sketchbook moment. Yeah. You know? So like maybe I'm missing something as an artist because I'm, because I'm, I always have an audience in mind. I guess theoretically, maybe you could say that. But I'm mostly pretty unbothered by that yeah. problem. But does it, so it still serves. It's still. It's like a it's like a machine that was created to be loud. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, you it's know, getting louder as it gets further away. Does it? Uh, but it still. I mean, it still serves that function of, of you know, like because you know you sit you sit there you need, you know you draw like. This is a common thing, and and this 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 is, exists in in your book, and this is every time I've had a, a chance to like look over somebody's shoulder, like what honestly what most cartoonists are doing are sitting there is sitting there drawing people in the room. That's a very common right, right. part of the sketchbook. I mean, some people do that, some people don't. Like Mark, Mark doesn't do that. Okay, well, yeah, know? but Mark doesn't have people in the his books the same way that you do. Right, right, yeah, yeah. and you know if. If ultimately what what the the idea behind the sketchbook is is to make you better at the act of drawing what you're right, drawing, right? So this this does this does in a sense kind of fulfill that need. Yeah, right. I mean, so it, it adds up to practice too. And yeah. the thing is, that, you know, there are bad pages. Like I didn't put every like yeah. every single page uh, that I you know drawn in my sketchbooks in this book. Yeah, I definitely like out the good ones which i also feel like is part of the the weirdness of artist sketchbook collections yeah is you feel like you're getting like 
you, there's a sense that you're getting this unfiltered like view, secret. you know, of, of like, this is how the artist really yeah. works. But that's total bullshit. Cause even if, cause, cause they're editing out yeah. the bad pages, you know, you wonder, I wonder, I, I keep coming back to Chris, Chris wears. Um, but that's the one that, that, that sort of like, other than Robert Crumb, maybe kind of looms largest. And I, I think about like, I mean, I assume that you've read, you've, you've read those. Oh yeah. They're things. beautiful. I love that stuff. They are, but also there's this element of like of his inner monologue of him just talking about how terrible he is at drawing about how much he like wishes he could be Gary Panter you know and right <laughs> and you wonder what the hell is he le- if he is leaving something out what the hell is he leaving out and we will never know <laughs> we will never and we will and I suppose we'll never know yeah um, you know if, if if one of the nice things that's coming out of this is is in a way, putting the onus of storytelling on the reader, right? Um, has that has that all in, you know impacted the way that, that that you're telling stories in terms of like you know if they're um, kind of doing the heavy lifting, making these connections? I mean, is there anything that's arisen out of the book where you've 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 found these two things juxtaposed next to each other? And maybe oh that's yeah, yeah. I mean, path. it definitely feeds me and gives me new ideas. I mean, yeah. that's that's what's so compelling about working that way to me is like it does generate my ideas like that's where all my books all my like you know constructed narratives have grown out of weird little experiments in my sketchbook that i had no idea you know we're gonna go anywhere um yeah that's interesting so 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 from the beginning i mean i I assume that yet early on you 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 worked a little differently i mean I, I i you know or at least like you know again because like like t- talking talking to mark about his about his new book he told me that he uh and i'm sure you've had conversations about this um i'll have to air this interview right after that one <laughs> um, but uh he said that he had he had actually gone out and bought um screenwriting yeah yeah books. he was telling that he was saying that it was like some book about there's there's 20 different kinds of stories in the world here's yeah. how what they are and how they work or something <laughs> yeah well he said he actually had gone out and 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 read three of them which i thought was really fascinating because we we just had this like weirdly circular and and somewhat combative right. uh, and conversation. now after stroppy there are 21 different kinds of that's stories right in the world. that's right like he, he seemed like frustrated by the fact that like he wasn't able to create a, a more straightforward forward narrative and i was like well maybe like that's what people like about your stuff like maybe yeah just for sure clearly maybe, maybe just sort of like if you're it. looking for you know three act structure you're not reading mark yeah. bell you know? yeah um i mean early on were you i, I you know w- d- did your stuff always happen as as organically as it does now did it has it always just come out of a, you know a few a few images a few sketches or were you actually sitting down and and, and plotting things out earlier um, yeah, I mean, basically in every case, I can trace it back to some little experiment that was yeah. very small and insignificant at the time. And big, big questions started that way. How, how did big questions start? Um, I mean, it Birds. was it was an exercise that I was doing at a, at a in a workshop when yeah. I was in undergrad. Um, some beer, some birds appeared in this exercise. They didn't talk, but there were other elements. There was a plane that crashed. Uh, what else? A soldier that died. <clears throat> so it was, it was sort of a, this stream of consciousness exercise. Yeah. Um, and these little birds appeared, and then in my sketchbooks for the next several months, 
Princess Peach and Mario are in the back of a, <laughs> a bike-powered pedicab. This podcast is going to have the best soundtrack. <laughs> We're going to have to clear the rights to all of these bad, <laughs> these bad hip-hop songs. Um, um, yeah, Dogs and Water started with some sketchbook, some little sketchbook thing where I was like expressing my anxiety about leaving art school, basically. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, what else? I don't know. I mean, um, the end was all stuff I was doing in my sketchbooks after Cheryl died. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're all, they've all been like that. Yeah, that. Actually, if anything, the book that I'm embarking on now is maybe the first time that I'm not, that's not, it's not happening that way. Yeah. Um, just, you, you, you had the idea for a book or you decided you just need to sit down and write something? Um, I mean, it sort of is evolving out of a couple other books. Like there, there's a, it sort of comes out of the Prometheus story that was in Rage of Poseidon. Yeah. I'm sort of extrapolating that. There are little elements of dogs and water in it. Yeah. Interesting. So. It's like a greatest hits. A what? It's like a best of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just, I'm just like milking my, my back catalog basically. It's like that thing that 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 bands do where they, um, they don't own the rights to the recordings anymore, so they go back and re-record. Right, <laughs> record everything. right. Um, did you, did you, you, you mentioned the end? Did you, did you feel like you? At what point did you know that 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 was a story that you were gonna have to tell or that you could tell? Because that's, I mean, that's, an incredible, that's far and away your most personal, on the face of it, most personal book. Yeah, that and Don't Go. Yeah. Um, let's see. That book, I mean, that that book had a weird story. Like, that was actually going to be, I had, I had <clears throat> agreed to do a book, which I titled The End, as part of that Ignatz series that Fanagraphics mm-hmm. was doing mm-hmm. um, that this guy Igort in France yeah. initiated um, so I was like yeah yeah sure I'll do a new series it'll be called The End uh, I don't know what's going to be in it but I'll get to it you know in like a year the, or two this is a cool name for a thing yeah I was like yeah I was like what's the title of your book going to be I was like well I'll call it The End like that sounds kind of like interesting and weird and whatever uh, turns out that there have been many books called The End sure predictably um Uh, and in like at then like Cheryl got sick and ended up dying and I still was you know supposed to do this book yeah. so and I had this stuff in my sketchbooks which I was you know proud of as comics like I I felt like it was good work and probably would would register with a reader you know would be compelling in some way uh So I just I just filled that book up with those. Basically. Well, so, so you know that that I that that might be part of the reason why you're so conscious of the fact that the new book is a bit of artifice in that sense is because that was I mean it, that was that wasn't intended for consumption as you were working on it. I mean, yeah, that you know, yes and no. I mean, it, um, I had like the the kind of main story in there. I think it's uh, solve for X is like I'd been doing stuff in my sketchbooks and then there was a little zine show in LA that um, uh, 
Mark Todd and Esther Pearl Watson put together and they sent they sent a little kind of like sketchbook and you were supposed to work in it yeah. and I was like oh I'll take the stuff I've been doing in my sketchbooks and I'll like extrapolate it and try to make it into a more coherent narrative <clears throat> um, and then again it's like okay now I'm going to do this book the end so I'll take that and like actually like really work on it and continue it so you know it's just it's it's sure. just that thing it's, it's like the categories the sort yeah. of don't work yeah. like they don't actually yeah they don't actually work do you i mean is it is it common for you to to be doing comics for yourself to to really just sort of like work through things in your life um yeah hmm. i mean i've always like even when i was a kid i kept a journal yeah um my mom was a my mom is a writer and that is part of her practice and like she was sort of interested in Jungian psychology and um so sort of like the idea of journaling or doing keeping a diary and sort of writing about you know what was happening in your life just was kind of like seemed like the obvious thing to do like I thought you know I probably would have sort of thought everybody did that um and so the more once I started like drawing more seriously making you know doing it with drawings yeah. made more sense yeah and you and 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 you're pre- and it sounds like you're pretty good at keeping it up because you know a lot of the uh I, f- I feel like a lot of the people who do those at least for public consumption part of the reason why they did that is because you know they need some sort of even if it's self-imposed deadline or right you know, and it, it forces you to like to resolve it too yeah you know it's not just like huh. a, a diary or a journal might just be a mess of like oh yeah. this fucked up thing happened to me and like i don't know how i feel about it and she said this and then i th- did this and it was yeah. fucked up and blah but but ha- having to turn it into a you know short story <laughs> or <laughs> you know or a comic it's like you have to sort of sit with it and like think about where it's going and huh. and make meaning out of it you know like turn it into a story an actual story not just like a sequence of events that may or may not make sense but when you say when you say resolve you mean just in the comic or i, I, I don't know this might sound i mean yeah silly, some of that stuff it doesn't like some of those little pieces don't yeah. feel like they don't have a resolution sure, like there's no happy doesn't. ending or whatever yeah life doesn't yeah. but but still like trying to make a coherent story that has like rhythm and like a logic an internal logic Mm. means trying to find that rhythm and that internal logic in the events of your life yeah which may not be that obvious but if you if you're like really you know working on a story like it makes you look for that stuff whether it's there and you're finding it or whether you're it's not there and you're just making it up either way like it helps. Yeah, well, <laughs> me, I, it helps me. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I've spoken with with people who do, you know, more uh, a lot stricter format um, memoir comics or journal comics, and it's always interesting. Um, and this is the way with 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 any art form, but especially ones where um, you're drawing from your life in a very tangible way. That uh, when you use that to create your art, you end up kind of filtering your life's events through that so if you're doing you know a three four panel strip that's kind of how you start start you know you you, you isolate those right, moments right. and you realize in some cases while it's happening what's going to make a good strip right 
and then because that's the way you tell the story that's how you remember it and that's how you start right. thinking of those moments which you know which maybe points to the danger of that idea yeah. like like I think like you said sometimes the, the events don't make sense yeah and imposing yeah. structure on them is sort of a false it's a false order it's a false structure sure. um but you know that's what's sort of interesting about yeah. doing it yeah well and I te- you know I tend to think of, of your stuff as being far less structured than that not, not only just in, in terms of like not actually having panels in a lot of cases but it's just I, I hate to use the term but I'm going to use it because you used it earlier but it's sort of stream of consciousness in a, in a sense so I mean you're not you're, you're probably not thinking of structure the same way or are you I mean you're writing a book at the end of the day um no I, I mean I am so like the end like the first the Ignatz version of the end you know, it was supposed to be a series. So I, I anticipated putting out a second issue. But then by the time the first issue was done, I just didn't want to deal with that shit mm-hmm. anymore. Like, I was, mm-hmm. you know, I was trying to move on in my life. <clears throat> um, but that came, the thing came out, and I was very aware that it was only half the story. Like, it's it ends, and I'm still totally in the depths of, like, you know, grief, basically. Just, like, the shit. And I did, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to finish the book, even though I wasn't immediately ready to work with that material yeah. anymore. Like, I did. I think for I, I basically knew that, like, at some point, I wanted to go back and finish it and try to like show what happens. You know, you like for it's better or worse. <laughs> you know, right? Which is sort of an ironic title, yeah. or sort of yeah. a you know a misdirection a little bit because there isn't really anything. Yeah. You know, it doesn't really end. But it does change, and like you know, grief. It's like whether one of the things about grief that's awful is is you realize that you're getting over it, and you don't want to get over it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because, but you do. You know, it's like time yeah. goes on, and like you know, it gets a little less sharp or, and a little less uh, painful. And I wanted to, I wanted to sort of get there in the book hmm. because otherwise, like the story would, you know, I was only telling half the story. You wanted to get to the point beyond grief the point where it was less painful and there yeah. was some sense that like my life was actually moving on and uh you know I wasn't sort of stuck in in this awful emotional place we just were descended upon by a bunch of cosplayers we should be describing the parade to the to the listeners there's a woman wearing a car <laughs> Um, but a car made out of like candy it looks like a pinata yeah, yeah. Uh, pretty awesome this is the perfect conversation to be having in the in the midst of all this yes um, so there there you go there you go have images that have nothing to do with one another yeah. grief and a car made out of candy yeah go write a book you reader or listener <laughs> go forth and create meaning yeah um, also there is actually Peter Pan and Tinkerbell are doing a photo shoot over here and Peter Pan has a lightsaber Oh, you just missed them. They just left. I, I've, I've seen enough, <laughs> and I can visualize that. Um, so let's so, so let's close with this then. Uh, you know, let's 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 try to to, to, to tie it all together. Um, you know, in terms of that uh, this of this connection between you know like real life and 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 work. 
Um, when you say that you needed a sense of closure in the book, that you needed the book to be about that time beyond, not where you've moved on necessarily, but where, where you've moved on from like a feeling, I guess. Um, is it is it possible to, because you need to get to a point in the story or, or a book, I mean, it, that drives you to actually have that experience in life like try to put a cap on it or yeah something? to to um yeah to, to in a sense like move on in the book helped you move on in life um i don't think i would say it helped me move on i feel like i feel like i know move it, on is strong but yeah yeah i mean that it's like the lo- the language around all this stuff is super loaded but yeah. like i think i think for me making art about that experience and and making art about any experience is a way of of um, actually experiencing a thing, and mm. I think I yeah. think like that's what I sort of learned from all of that was like that's what art is kind of for, or certain kinds of art are yeah. for. It's like anybody's had this experience, you know, going through a breakup and listening to some like sad songs that didn't mean anything to you before, and all of a sudden they're like super meaningful and super yeah. potent like you know i was totally i was totally happening to me but i was also you know i was also writing some songs or whatever like making some comics that were helping me sort of fully fully experience what i was going through yeah and i think a lot of people i think some people go through traumatic experiences or or go through loss and they sort of they sort of want to not have to experience it yeah so they try not to think about it um, but in, in a way, you know, and, and again, when I'll, you have these conversations about how isolating comics can be, you know, where it is something where you're just sort you are alone, and and until you get to go to San Diego Comic Con, right. you don't really get a chance to to interact with people. But um, <laughs> I mean, it seems like it seems like in in, in a strange way, it's simultaneously a way of addressing it, but it's also an escape from it, in that you know like in the way that people use work as an escape from things um yeah i mean making those books was not an escape for me you know like i was i was in it i think i mean i was aware at the time like if i wasn't making these books i'd probably be drinking really heavily (laughs) like i don't know how you like i was sort of like how do you do it if you don't if you can't make comic books like what the hell do you do like i don't know i don't know yeah um but I, 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 I guess maybe from the standpoint, and, and, and actually now that I'm saying this, this totally contradicts what I was saying before, but uh, in, the, in the fact that you are isolating yourself from, from others. But I guess if anything, that puts you more oh, in your right, own head, right? right? Yeah. And, and I, you know, another thing that I sort of learned in that experience was like, I also really need to get out of the house. Like, I need to make sure I'm hanging out with people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Uh, and I, I think one of the other things you said, which is like, the idea that maybe you're putting there's a, maybe a danger that you're creating an order or a structure that isn't yeah like honest yeah or isn't accurate or whatever like that you know that's a thing it's like i was trying to be as as honest as possible i mean most you know there, there's sort of a cliche about art it's like you got to be honest sure like it, you don't want to bullshit you can't yeah. be bullshitting your reader or bullshitting yourself yeah. like then you end up with shitty art yeah well, a little, a little bit of bullshitting is important. I mean, there's a fair amount of bullshit in my sketchbook yeah. collection, so.
There you go, those honors, Nielsen. Uh, an interesting interview for a number of reasons, not the least of which was the setting. That was actually, uh, I think that was actually the, the second interview that we've released from from San Diego Comic-Con. I know it's been a few months. We're finally getting around to, to rolling these things out. Uh, we did uh, Leah Hayes a while ago around the release of, of her book. But that was recorded at... Uh, uh, San Diego Comic Con, um, and and Anders actually showed me this little little spot in in the back. You know, as I was having some trouble finding a place to uh, to talk to everybody there, as as I'm sure you know if you've ever been to San Diego Comic Con or know just about absolutely anything uh, about San Diego Comic Con, you know that it's a, a complete zoo. It's a it's a very hard place to to basically pull somebody aside and and do a a quiet interview. But he showed me this little spot right behind the convention center. It was it's really just this tiny island of grass underneath a couple of trees and um there's little uh i guess rickshaw bicycle rickshaw is probably the best way to describe it bicycle rickshaws that are just sort of riding by you on either side just playing really loud pop music so we were sitting there um actually you know much like the leah hayes interview we're just sort of sitting there cross-legged and 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 talking about these really uh uh, just kind of like deep emotional issues and somebody would somebody would just you know come by and 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 be uh like a pet maybe pedicab maybe is a more accurate way to describe it somebody would come by in a pedicab playing blasting you know pharrell at the back uh but his new book is called poetry is useless highly recommended it's on drawn and quarterly thanks so much to dnq for setting that up um it's as we discussed kind of sort of a, a sketchbook which has been a very fascinating subject to me um you know, I've been, I've been thinking about the idea of a sketchbook lately. Um, you'll, you'll probably notice this in some of the, the, the other interviews that have been subsequent to this. Um, because of this book and because of this conversation, it's a topic that uh, that has ended up kind of being a, a bit uh, reoccurring in a lot of the RUL interviews, like uh, Oliver Schwarin, who we spoke to in uh, Berlin. That'll be coming out um, at this rate in you know six months from now. But um, I'm really interested in this idea of... Um, the sketchbook as 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 an object, um, you know, and and where it kind of crosses over into that that line, and and how aware you are that that people are going to be looking at it, and you know how that kind of affects the the work that you create. I mean, you know, obviously, in a lot of ways, this was an object that he knew people were going to be uh, looking at. So thanks so much to him for taking the time to discuss that, and thanks to Ronald Corley for setting it up. Um, also uh, discussed in the interview, also on Ronald Corley, I highly recommend. Don't go where I can't follow. Um, you know, but certainly, certainly be in the uh, the right emotional state to to read that book because it's a it's a very uh, very very heavy book. So you know, um, yeah, I guess maybe don't read it on an airplane or or another public place. Um, but as, as with all of his all of Honors Nelson's book, uh, so I highly highly recommend that one. So thanks so much to him for taking the time to do that. Uh, thanks to Brian as always for editing this thing together. Uh, thanks to to everybody at the Boing Boing Podcast Network. If you like this podcast. Or many other fine podcasts you can check out over on iTunes and while you're over at iTunes take the opportunity to, to rate the show we can definitely use your feedback if you have any uh, feedback that you'd like to send via email you can do so to rylcast at gmail.com follow us on Tumblr that's rylcast.tumblr.com that is the first and best place to get all of your RIYL related information uh, I've got a Facebook you can like us over on Facebook I think that's all of my social media plugs for now uh, we, uh, we'll be back just about this time next week with another episode of RIYL and a lot, a lot more Comic-Con coming at you.